We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Still self-quarantined, practicing social distancing from the world, being responsible. If you guys are listening to us, we're assuming you're doing the same. So we're here to entertain you for about the next hour. Today's show is all about boxing and mixed martial arts. We're combining them again on this Monday. But, of course, we still got to start off with some of the social media world and what we did this weekend. Dre, the biggest thing, I mean, you put me onto it, and it was through our group chat, and that's DJ D Nice on Instagram. And I want to say you put me on around, what, he had 30,000 listeners? It jumped to 100,000 by the time it was all done, and it was all people were talking about. Yeah, man, I mean... So, I know cats have been DJing on IG Live for a while, but one is D-Nice, who is not just a legendary DJ. Uh, he produced Self-Destruction. He rhymed, I think, at the seventh verse on that song. You know, my name is D-Nice. I mean, the guy's been everywhere. But then, I mean, everybody, this was like everybody and your mom at this party, including the law. Everybody was in that bitch. <laughs> and 
Yo, and he was playing everything. I mean, the damn stream crashed a couple times. I know, I mean, Michelle Obama was in there. I guess representatives for Joe Biden, I guess, wanted to pop in and say, hey, because I can't possibly believe that Joe Biden was actually in this shit. Yo, um, you never but, know. Never know. You never know. But, I mean, for, <laughs> for me, for my my uh, my evening, it was perfect, man, to have the night spinning and just having music. I mean, listen, I know a lot of people are going nuts. I've been looking at people in quarantine losing their minds after three days. This is my life. Like, I work from home, so I never leave the house. So this is normal for me. But it was good to, to see a bunch of people in one place. Uh, just enjoying some vibes, man. And I mean, he was playing, spinning classics. He was spinning everything. Missy was in there. Like I saw, Nia Long was in there. It was a virtual house party. It was like the dopest shit ever. And then after that, like eight million people who never did a DJ on IG Live was like, "Come to mine." And I was like, "All right, this is too much." But <laughs> good for them, yes. man. I mean, good for D Nice. I mean, I think uh, Miguel just did. He was playing some some covers earlier. Like it seems like everybody's trying to find a way to cope with being quarantined, and this is smart and it's fun. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I was like, me and my daughter were my living room dancing last night. We were busting a move. We had a good time. Yeah, I had it on. Uh, I threw it on the phone, put it on the speaker. I was actually playing games online. And people were like, what the hell is going on there? I was like, shut up. Listen to music. I was like, I'm going to learn. You guys going to learn today. Because he was spinning like some real old school shit. And, you know, it's a bunch of like 12-year-olds on Call of Duty Online. And uh, throwing it back to Halo 3 as well. So I was on there just crushing kids. And they were like, what are you listening to? I was like, it's grown folk music. Something you might never know about. Just talking trash. So no, it was dope. Um... Like I said, it was a good set. Listen, I probably listened for about like 45 to an hour. It seems like it went nine hours. Yeah, he's spinning, I believe, for seven hours straight, I think. Might, might, That's bonkers. But he, yeah, he's spun for a while. <laughs> I got to ask you a question. You, When you play online, you talk to people? Yeah, yeah, I got a headset. Yeah, yeah of course. Mm -mm. No, you got you to gotta have a headset. You got to do call-outs. How, do, how yeah. do you know where people are coming from if you don't do call-outs? Uh, usually, see, I'm not a team player online because I don't like people. Oh, like, okay. This, you this whole, dollar. like, what, what people don't really don't understand. When I talk about, like, I'm, like, a loner type, like, where I'm self-quarantined <laughs> and this is no big deal, deal to me. Like, I don't like playing online with people I don't know. I don't like talking to people that I don't know. So, when I play Call of Duty, like, I'll be on the team and I'll listen, but I won't say shit. Like, <laughs> I, just how I play. When I play games, like, if I don't know you, I don't talk to you because... There's people that just, I did it one time, long time ago, I, I signed on, I was playing Call of Duty, and I just heard like mad racial slurs and wild shit, and I was like, nope, not for me, can't do this, because then I have to talk crazy to them back. That's a complete waste of time, especially when I'm playing at like 2 in the morning and stuff like that. I don't like talking to people. It just ain't my speed. So all this like social distancing is my life. So people are freaking out about it, and I'm like, this is my, this is my life, this is all I do. <laughs> I've been waiting for this time. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for you guys to embrace it. Like, people are losing their minds. Like, this is what I do every day. I don't like people. Straight up. I just don't like people. I just pictured the Bane speech, also because I watched this the other day, uh, from The Dark Knight Rises. You're like, you guys have just merely adapted social distancing. I was born in it. Yes. Yeah, that, is, that is me. Molded like, by it. Look. First, let me open this up. Oh, but, um, cheers. I got the claw in hand. Cheers. Yes, indeed. 
But it, I'm just not. I don't know, man. Like when you when you talk about playing and people ask you what your music is playing, like I just I don't have my headphones on. I don't I don't do all that. I can't. Like I listen to my nephew play when well he's been grounded for like a year until he gets his grades up. But he was playing Fortnite and listening to and giggle with his friends and then his friends be like saying wild shit to each other and I was like how did how do y'all listen to this shit? But if I'm playing with people <laughs> I know. Like, if I play with, like, you or somebody like that, I'll talk. But if it's people I don't know, I ain't talking. I don't fuck with my I know you have plays. a headset. Yeah, I've seen you, a headset in your crib. Okay. I was about to say, yeah, I know like, you have one. When I play with, like, people that I know, yeah, we communicate. If I play with people I don't know, fuck them. Like, my dad, my pops, when I go to his crib and he's, like, always playing. Like, he used to play, like, SOCOM all the time. He plays, like, 2K. And I, it just looks so stupid. Like, I walk in and I'm, like, watching him just talk to people he doesn't know. Or, like, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. It's the most amazing thing because he plays it more than I did. Like, I'm a single-player guy. So most of the games that I play are all single-player games. And he always plays online. He doesn't fuck with single-player anything. Which is like, the age thing is crazy because you would think that he would be that type that didn't play online. And yeah. I would be the one playing online. No, it's not the case. I play single-player everything. He doesn't. So he's telling me about his friends. I was like, excuse me? He's like, yeah, I got the, you know, my, my boy, he's uh he's the one who skins all the, the, the things. And he sells us the pelts, and then we, we got a crew together to rob a bank. And I'm like, what? Like, go get some friends, Pop. But now I feel like the old man. Because I'm the one telling him this. Like, he's got to tell him, go outside, friends. Pops. Yeah, like, he'll, they'll text each other, like, and they'll text each other about somebody's a snake in the crew, and then they'll shoot him down. Like, I watched this happen one time. I was just went over his crib, and I was watching playing Red Dead, and it was like, somebody's, like, stealing our stuff and not trading properly. And I was like... I'm listening to me, and he gets a text message, and he picks up the phone, and he calls his boy, and he mutes the microphone, and he's like, yeah, Dennis, we got to get him the fuck out of the group. Word. Tell the other guys. So they all text each other offline, <laughs> ganged up on this dude, and killed him. And I was like, that's impressive, but I was like, this is a lot. So all that to say, I don't really play. Like, I play online when I want to, but you won't catch me talking to y'all. Like, that's why I'm, yesterday when, when uh, Aaron, Aaron had DM'd me. Aaron Ashley Simon, who's fucking dope. I love her. And she was just like, oh, we got to play Call of Duty. I'm like, bet. I started to put my PSN on, on Twitter, and then I was like, nope, because a bunch of people are going to want to talk to me, and I don't want to do all that. So if you, yeah. if you game online and you, you can shut the fuck up, then you can you know, send me your PSN. Otherwise, <laughs> if you like talking, I ain't the one. Yeah, I'm going to put mine up uh, probably today, like after we record this, just so I can play. It's the same on Xbox and PS. For so, if you guys are gaming right now, hit me up ringside kel on both. So, uh, if you guys want to play, one thing I did notice yesterday was one, all that shit you mentioned, like all the slick comments, the racial comments, those are all still there. So, I was kind of going back and forth with people, and then I realized I was like, no, my like gamer tag is way too recognizable, I gotta chill. So, like, if they're just talking crazy, I just chill out now, but. Yeah, I'm always, like, either gaming, like, one of my friends. Like, it has to be two of us. I'm not just going on there by myself and wrecking shop. But now I feel like everyone's self-quarantined. So it's like, all right, cool. We can crew up. I'm going to play with Aaron. Uh, I got Call of Duty loading right now. So I had to, like, up Still, it's update. been, like, a day. No, no, I got to do an update. <laughs> like, so I oh, played for, like, two hours yesterday. And then I went on today, and someone was like, yo, you got to do this update for us uh, to play cross-platforms. You have to have all the updates. So I was like, oh, shit. All right. So I had to download, like, some other update. That's going right now. So I'll hop on, play with Aaron later, and just mad people. You look at all the boxers. They're playing. 
So Shakur plays all the time. Um, I saw him in a crew with Terrence Crawford last week, and they were playing going back and forth. Devin Haney was playing yesterday, so I have to get all their gamer tags and play as well. So I feel like that's how we're going to pass the time. I, It's like I've been transported back to 14-year-old me. Hmm. Like I'm playing yeah, video man. games, I'm drinking in the house. I, it's almost exactly like 14-year-old me. Yep, yeah, all over again. So yeah, it's so different for me. It's it's just no like from and my only issue right now with like Call of Duty is I've only played it for like twenty minutes and I've had it since like the week before it came out because I play everything else. Like I'm yeah. again single player playing uh, Force Awakens. I'm playing Assassin's Creed. I'm playing The Witcher Three. Like none of those games are like online games I can play with people. I like to play games by myself. Like when Final Fantasy drops, I will be immersed playing that shit all over again. So sorry guys, I am trash I at Call of Duty. I haven't played I Call of Duty in forever. I am trash. Yo, but I, I downloaded it on swings. Xbox. Yeah, me too. I got. I had to get it on Xbox because I'm just better on Xbox because that's where I used to play it. Like I only got a PlayStation to play MLB The Show and then all the exclusive titles kind of wrangled me in and I haven't touched my Xbox in like three years. So now that I'm like back on it, I was like, yo, fuck it. I got to get it on Xbox. So at least it was cross-platform. So don't worry. Give me like a week, two weeks. You guys can't badmouth me if you guys add me on, I mean, whatever system you guys are playing on. If you add me on Call of Duty and I'm trash, it's okay. Let me live through this. I'm going to get better in a week's time. I'll be at the top of the leaderboards again. Um, yeah, so that's that's been pretty much the weekend. Oh, before we get past this DJ D-Nice thing, you mentioned a lot of names that were there and listening to his set. Why was Stevie Wonder in this chat? Like, why was Stevie Wonder on IG Live? Why does Stevie Wonder have an Instagram? Therein lies my problem. Like, I, like when people are like, oh, he wants to listen to music. That's cool. Because he's listening. <laughs> YouTube? Like, like, Instagram wasn't created for the ears. It was created no. for the eyes. And <laughs> yeah. to my recollection, Stevie has none. So it's <laughs> like, I mean, he has, he has eyes, but he doesn't have vision. So why does he have an Instagram? Who logged him in? How did he figure out how to log into IG Live and how did he know that D Nice was spinning? There's a lot of fascinating <laughs> shit going on here with Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Even if you can somehow tell the difference between apps on your phone, if they let him memorize where the apps are and then you just use, you know, the face recognition to get in, cool. I understand that. Maybe he can navigate an iPhone due to some technology for blind people that I'm not privy to. Even then, how do you then know D-Nice is spinning, know how to get to D-Nice's page, and are in the comment section to the point of, are you leaving comments? Is there IG to talk feature? I have a lot of questions. I do. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Or is Stevie not oh. blind? You know how many people say Stevie I ain't blind? <sighs> I just, I think there's somebody that, you know, holds his phone and does this, but it just seems weird, man. It just seems like, well, you know. <laughs> All day? Why? That's what helps yeah, the job. That's what I'm saying. Like, yo, I just, like, why? I run Stevie's phone. Like, okay, social media? No, I run his phone. It's like, what? Yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm you know. <laughs> so Stevie Wonder is on IG. It's a visual social media app. I, when I saw that, I was like, yeah, I'm done. Like, that's it. My night is made. Because Stevie, and we've had other hot takes on Stevie Wonder on this podcast. 
uh, it was funny because we just congrats this is our first show after five years uh we are now into year six i believe this would be so we just passed the five-year anniversary mark year six of the corner podcast and outside of the to pimp a butterfly hot take that everyone now knows about because we constantly bring it up the other super hot take from those first three episodes was me saying i would not pay to watch stevie wonder in concert yeah, you can't live that one down. Because he's not doing anything besides sitting on the piano and singing. And I said, I can just watch it on YouTube or listen to it on iTunes because it's the same thing. He's not dancing. He's not moving around. Um, I guess I'm older now, right? What did I say that? I was I was 24 years old when I said that. 25. I'm a little older. So I'll backtrack a tiny bit on this statement. But it's not a concert I have to see. Like, I, at one point, I, was, I have to see Prince. I didn't see Prince. I was tight. MJ is like a concert I would have had to see. Like, now, there's some people It's like, yo, I still, okay, I probably have to go to that concert before I die. I've seen Jay several times, so I'm good on that. But there's other people where I'm like, I really got to see this before, you know, it's too late. Stevie's not on my list of people. Even though you give him amazing, amazing reviews. I mean, dude. You okay? So when you go to a live show, yeah, you go for the music, right? To hear it live, Ooh, that- yeah. and a mixture of the atmosphere. Because I've been to live shows where I don't know who's spinning what. Like I, I've been to EDM festivals, and I don't know what's coming next. I don't know. I, I go for the DJ, and I go for the atmosphere. People wilding out. People aren't wilding out to Stevie. So wait, okay, are they? When you go, so somebody who goes to a EDM, like to see a DJ, right? Yeah. Because people pay lots of money to see a DJ. What are they doing? Correct. Because they're not even they're playing just, music. No, they're no, they're, they're pressing buttons. They're pressing buttons. A button, button right? like two buttons. Yes. Like Stevie plays instrument. He has a band. It's not just But him, the like people Stevie. around bring the energy, Dre. Everyone else is dancing. They're shuffling. They're partaking in other activities. And taking stuff and, and wilding out, and I'm drinking, and it's it's like an energy. What's the energy at a Stevie show? It's amazing. Do you not like music? What is wrong with you? No, I love music, like, and I'm not knocking okay, his music. Wait, wait, I love his. I like his music. If, but if you wanted to go see, like you're going to see Prince, because oh, the energy at a Prince concert, and my energy is crazy. That's another well, thing. The, like I go to concerts, doing? I sing along. I, you know, everyone sing, everyone so sing along to every word. Wonder. Is that what you're telling me? No, I, I mean, no, personally, I don't, like, I know words, but I don't know, like, I know hooks. I don't know, like, the the deep cuts as well as I should. You know, I, the verses, I, I do the, you know, maybe know every end of the word. Like, I'm a hype man on stage, but I don't so know the exact Basically, word. you're just not a Stevie Wonder fan. No, I like Stevie, I just don't, even that aside, I've been to concerts where I don't know lyrics, I don't know this person's words, but to every song, but it's hype, like the crowd is hype, people are dancing, people are wilding out, like I just went to the, we went, we're at the Tyler Creator joint, I don't know none of that new album, but the energy was crazy, the performance was good, and he's moving around, he's jumping. Wait, 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 you're talking about Tyler, but do you go to R&B concerts? Uh, Yeah, no, you wouldn't count it. You wouldn't count it. I could say yes, but I've been to Chris Brown, Trey Songs, Weekend. Like it's not, it's not the same. You wouldn't, you wouldn't count those as R and B concerts. They were, 
like bigger venue. I wouldn't count those as R and B concerts per se, you know? Like they were like bigger venues and had theatrics and shit like that. It's like saying, Yeah, I go to wrestling and I went to wrestling. So you go for the so you like, go no, to concerts for the flippy shit. You go to concerts for the flippy shit. I do, I do. Like it's it's like my pro wrestling taste a lot of the time. So not I'm I'm here for so all the, the flippy music. shit. So, so not the music, like the fact that Stevie Wonder. The music uh, helps. So, do you care if people can sing? How about that? Ooh. Wow, for you to spend this long that's to tough. answer this question? <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's tough because I saw Janae Aiko at South by Southwest one year and it completely fucking crushed me because it was Gambino into Janae Aiko, into Wale. And her and Gambino did their song together. I think it was like Pink Toes and whatever else she had on her album. And she could not sing at all that week. I've never seen her. I haven't seen her since. But she could not sing at all. And, you know, she just whispers on tracks and shit. And that was kind of off-putting. But I don't feel like she has good performance music anyway, though. So, no. If you can't sing, that's my example of someone who couldn't sing. And I was like, nah, this shit's kind of trash. And she ruined I mean, the vibes. It wasn't a vibe. Really, we really need to get into combat sports, but... Oh, they, would you we, have gone, we got nothing but time. Would you, time, see, would you <laughs> see, like, a Luther Vandross concert? No, I'm not no. watching Luther. I mean, I'm, there's not a Luther guy either, but no. Like, no, so I'm not you don't like singing. So, essentially, you just don't like singing. You don't like people who can sing. No, I do. I, I don't know if I'm going to, like, an Elton John concert, Celine Dion. I, I think once, like, someone had, like, Celine Dion tickets for me. I was like, Yeah, Celine nah. Dion is amazing live. What is wrong with you? You don't like... No, and I just, I just don't... I don't... Yeah, I don't, I don't see... Don't like, like, you got to bring something else. I do. But can you, you sing and have flippy shit? I've been to a Beyonce concert, and I'm not a Beyonce fan. And she put on an incredible performance. But you, because she was the, great. But you like the theatrics of it all. You don't care. But she about mixed in vocal. good singing. Yeah, but if she didn't have the theatrics, you wouldn't have cared. I mean, I don't want to sit so see someone sit at a piano for three hours. No. Who the hell's performing really? at a piano for three hours? I don't know. What else does Stevie do? What else does Stevie, Stevie do? Stevie get, like, he, there is a band. He like, gets damn. up. He gets up and walks around. Is what you're telling me? Dude, or do they bring him instruments? The, the there, other, a, there is a band. There is a band. Like, what is wrong with you? When you see no. somebody perform and they have a band, like, aren't you there to enjoy the music live? Like, have you? I do love a live. I'm sure band. you haven't. You haven't seen Earth, Wind, and Fire perform live, have you? I have not seen. Does okay. that seem like it's in my age bracket? Doesn't need to be. It's out of my age bracket. But That's I know fair, they can but perform. It's yeah, no, I've seen shit, like, on YouTube. Like, I YouTube live concerts all the time, and, like, their performances are great. But that, again, Earth, Wind, and Fire, to me, um, to divert even further away from our normal topic, is I grew up a lot listening to salsa music. And there's this salsa group called El Gran Combo. It's kind of like that Earth, Wind, and Fire of Puerto Ricans. But it's very similar music, and to me, those are, like, it, it gives me, like, a rock band feel. So when I listen to Earth, Wind, and Fire, and I saw those videos, and me and the wife look at this shit for hours on end and go down rabbit holes on YouTube, and when I watch them perform, and all, it's it's different. It's like watching Bootsy and, and Parliament. Like I get like a rock band feel. Is that weird? Am I explaining it right? Like they feel like rock stars to me. They're not I, a singular person on stage. You're just not into the live music. You like theatrics. Okay. Even they had theatrics though. 
I'm just, Earth, Wind, I'm and Fire to me had theatrics. There's movement. There's feeling. There's vibing. People are dancing. I got it. I feel that. Like you, don't I don't. I don't know if Stevie does that. You don't go to conscious <laughs> to see hear somebody live like Luther Vandross live or like even yeah. like a flow, flow the closest I've done is Jay the Jay solo concert where there's no theatrics no no band no nothing it was a DJ and him on stage walking back and forth and rhyming lyrics that's the closest I've been to it and I know every lyric so I was fine you're a wild one I like I like to see people perform because the the performance element that like how you sound live is so different than how you sound recording especially for like power ballads or people who can sing like Celine Dion, there's nothing like hearing them live. Stevie's one of those people that's. Are you a like person that live. gets the chills? Yes. I, I never understood that statement. Okay, I'm just wondering. People are like yo, that their singing gave me chills. I'm like, I don't understand. I don't get that. I get yeah. chills like for big fights when we're ringside and like but you don't, the but titles you don't on the line. I get fucking goosebumps. But that's my point. You don't listen to singers, so how could you get chills? I do listen to sing. Now, now you've loved me. I just said I went to a Beyonce concert. Does that not count? No, it doesn't. Here's why. Because Chris, Chris Brown sung artist. very well. You are not, he didn't lip sync. Chris Brown is not a very good singer. So we can bury the hatchet right there. Chris Brown is okay. He's not a very good singer. Okay, I'm talking about singers. I'm not, I'm not talking about like guys who try to sing. Get through music. Like, yeah, I'm talking sang? about singers. I'm like, like, have you ever heard somebody? You've never heard somebody in church and it gives you chills? Yo, I couldn't tell you last time I was in church. Um, you have to be at church. I'm just saying, you've never, no. you've never heard something like Marcia no. Ambrosius. Like, she can sing. Like, Jennifer Hudson. She can no. sing. You know who I enjoy watching sing? Um, Just, oh, I don't know. Jill Scott. Just up there belting. And, and, and I watch, like, some of the, even though Erica Badu is fucking crazy, I feel like Erica sometimes gives me like a weird feeling. Not chills. I enjoy it. Jill Scott is probably my prime example of like she just sits up there and just fucking belts and sing. I would watch Jill Scott live. You know, hand movements on the microphone aside, like I I would enjoy just her singing. I think live, but I've never you seen just... like I'm no I've never been in like a again just super lounge environment watching an R and B singer. Just real mood that's lighting type shit. That's the best way shit. to see him. Like that's, man, you just saw like you you like the you the flippy shit in pro wrestling. Like, you like <laughs> the theatrics. Like you are you don't care about you don't care necessarily about the product that's coming out of their mouth. Everything else surrounding it is more important to you. Hmm. <laughs> I do like lyrics. No, you're no, painting you me in no, a very we're not, bad light. We're not talking light. about lyrics. We're not talking about lyrics. We're talking about vocal, vocal range and capability. Like the fact, like again. Stevie Wonder, until you've seen him live, and then, of course, if you don't like the music, then what's the point? Like, what are you doing here? But to see Stevie live with a live band, and to hear his voice live, and to see his band perform, because his band performs. So, to see all see, it's that... Been, it's been five years. I gotta get Stevie tickets. This is the only way I'm gonna settle it. Yeah, I'm a grown know. man now. I got a grown ear. I, I, I'm going to get the next TV tickets in my area. If it's in Vegas during like a fight weekend and we're, you know, over all this coronavirus shit, it's okay. We'll go. We'll go. We'll go to a TV concert. And I'll sit down and we'll watch TV. I won't go. We'll figure you. this you, out. You and Why not? Because you and your wife can go. I'm not going to a TV We'll make concert. it a double date. 
Why you can't come with me? I feel like that was a very condescending statement. Like, like, <laughs> wicked, I, like, no, I'll go is, to a Stevie concert. I ain't going with you and your ignorant issue, ear. I'll be yes, I'll be looking at you the entire time, and that won't be fun. <laughs> with your ignorant ear, like if I don't pop during, I feel like this is so pro wrestling. But if I don't pop during like the crazy sequencing, the chain wrestling on the ground, you'll just be disgusted. Yeah, like. Like if I only pop for the high spots and the dives, yeah, like, like you're mean, just judging me. The transitions, the fact that Stevie does covers, I mean, the, the things that Stevie does, like Stevie, when he performs, he plays songs that he wrote for other people. Like there is so much there that you will never hear on a CD. So that's yeah, dope. I, I like that. I, I didn't know that. I think that's super dope um, to hear, you know, someone perform what are those kind of like the sample tracks or whatever it is when you don't you know they wrote it but you never heard their voice on it i know the dream kind of does that sometimes where he'll sing the songs he wrote and he's not a great singer but regardless you know he he'll do that and be like yo i've heard of um oh, who is that i forgot his name excuse me definitely no name from the 90s uh babyface doing the same and you don't get to hear like that version of stuff even though he wrote it so that's dope. That adds another level of intrigue. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to do it. All right. You're not going with me. I'll give you my recap. I'm going to find Stevie tickets. Yeah, and if he does an Instagram concert, I will tune in. Because now that he has Instagram, you never know. You, Stevie you never wonder. know. <laughs> Damn shame. Before we get over this and uh, into combat sports itself, one other thing. On IG Live, did you see Lil Boosie? Tell me, saw Boosie. <laughs> Are you talking about? You, so you're you're absolutely talking about him paying twenty five dollars to get these girls to get take these tops off, right? Fifty if you're showing it all, but yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. God, listen, there's only so much 50. Boosie I can take. After the whole Dwayne Wade situation with Boosie, like him talking about Dwayne Wade, so I was done. And there's just certain people, man. It's like I just I can't. And he's one of them. I saw that and I was like, really. Between that and uh, your boy Jamal Murray, like just wilding out on, on Instagram, yo, like, what is he thinking? He's not. Like, he's the face of a franchise. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I don't. Some people just don't need social media. Like fighters, athletes, entertainers. Like Boosie doesn't need social media, but some people are entertained by this stuff. And to be I'm, fair, Boosie wasn't doing anything wild. He was just giving away twenty five, fifty dollars at a pop. The yo, people you know how, joining him. And I don't know, man. actually busting it open for a Boosie IG Live where mad people are watching. It's just a whole different level of woman right there. Oh, that's bizarre. Like $25 to take your top off? $50? Yo, like, 50? really? Yeah, like, come on. Really? Have you no intention? Guess not. No. No. They just want to be on IG Live with, you know, maybe getting. It's $25 and what, 200 followers? 300 followers, maybe an increase on the OnlyFans. Who knows? Everybody and their mama's got an OnlyFans now. Every, women are just like stuck in the house. I've seen, and this is no exaggeration, 15 to 20 people on my Facebook page advertise new OnlyFans in the, in the past two days. And a lot of Facebook people are like people I went to high school with that you wouldn't know 10 years from now are escorts, but you know, shit happens. That being said, yeah, I've seen like 15 or 20 OnlyFans pop up. I'm like, who's paying for this? Somebody, Somebody is. 
somebody they make it more than twenty five dollars. But they're just but not when it leaks for free. Wink wink. Yeah, um, right. but yeah, just I, I I don't know. It's a wild world in IG. So I was just wondering if uh USC Boosie but yeah, Jamal Murray is even crazier than that. He's wilding. Like he I, pfft, yeah, about you got, got way too much money for that. Sit down like, it, about you. It's alive. Like, <laughs> so, oh, people with the dumbest excuses. Yeah, man. Um, all right. You know what we're going to do? We're almost half an hour into this show. We're going to take a quick break, pay the bills. When we come back, diving right back into combat sports. You guys stay right there. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, we want to tell you, with no current NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. So if you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. All right, everybody, just that quick, we are back and finally getting to talking combat sports, boxing, and MMA. Hold on, I had to get another white claw during our break, so second claw for this one. Um, Dre, to start off, let me, hold on, let me not drink right now, I don't want to get rowdy. Uh, uh, it was kind of a, a weird week in boxing, only because there was a lot of beefs to talk about, a lot of rumors, but... One thing in kind of the cycle, the new cycle, especially on social media, was the passing of Roger Mayweather, Floyd's uncle. And with that second loss for Floyd, we talked about on last week's episode. We talked about him losing uh, one of the mothers of his children. And then now, just a couple days later, I believe it was the same day as the funeral for Josie, Roger Mayweather passed away. It was, I mean, Roger trained Floyd when his dad was in prison. Like, this was, you know, a, a key, pivotal person in Floyd's career and why he was so successful. And then Roger himself had a long, just storied career himself before ever becoming a trainer. So it's kind of like a pivotal person in boxing was lost. I feel like it didn't get the buzz it deserved, though. No, it didn't. I mean, yeah, one, it's, it's absolutely unfortunate. I mean, the last time I saw Roger, I was at Mayweather's gym. Uh, a few, it had to be like October. And there was really nobody there. I can't even remember why I was there. But uh, I saw Roger uh, walk in and he was he needed help walking in. He was just in really bad shape. And it was only, you knew it was only a matter of time. And I mean, the Mayweather family has done a great job just keeping his condition under wraps. Floyd would talk about him, say he's in bad shape. But until you saw what Roger looked like, you didn't really understand how bad a shape he was in. Um, so when the passing did happen, it wasn't, com I, I guess it wasn't completely unexpected. I'm sure, you know, his, his health had been failing him for quite some time. But you're right in the sense that this whole, the coronavirus did overshadow anything um, with Josie Harris and Roger Mayweather and 
as much as you know you may not like Floyd Mayweather the person this is really a mighty blow to to him because um, yeah like you said Roger was there I mean you know he held the mitts he was the trainer I mean he was you know it's kind of like Floyd's spirit animal in the corner like Roger Roger was always there and the fact that he's gone it's it's tough because aside from being a trainer he was a great fighter he was the black mamba before Kobe Bryant you know, before Kobe yeah a lot of people don't know that they look at him as just a trainer but you know he was he's been around like Roger's been here so his loss it sucks for the sport of boxing and he gave us great things like you don't know shit about boxing <laughs> like I, that's, that's, <laughs> Roger gave us that man and it's just it, it sucks that he's gone you know I don't know what the Mayweather family's dealing with at this point because it's a lot it's a lot of weight because it's not just Floyd it's the entire family you know, the kids, they know Roger. Um, you know, Leonard Ellaby, he knows Roger. He's, he's been there with Roger almost since day one of, of Floyd's pro career. So anybody that's been affected by it, it sucks. Yeah, I wish they would have got more press, but we've been bogged down by so much coronavirus stuff is that a lot of things just kind of get swept under the rug. No, definitely. It just, it's weird because you mentioned like seeing him. I haven't seen him. It has to be a while. I mean, before I left Vegas, I was in the Mayweather gym for something or another. So it had to be like last June, last July. And I remember there was like reports he went missing for a couple of days. And then he was yeah. found. So like that was like the first real indication where I was like, yo, there, is he okay? Because you, you see that a lot in news. And I remember reporting that when I was at the news station with people, not only with dementia, just older people when... They just just lose track, and they think they can do the same things they did when they were younger, try to take a bus, try to go somewhere by themselves, and then end up legit lost. For days, I was like, damn, like, is he really in that condition, that shape? And then, you know, learning that his health wasn't the greatest, and this is what led to it. So it was, yeah, man, it was a, a sad story to play out, but I guess it wasn't unexpected. That doesn't make it any less difficult and it was nice to see everyone coming out and sending their best wishes to Floyd and to the Mayweather family. There's been, I mean, ongoing cool tributes to him, especially on the Mayweather promotions page. Some photos and videos I hadn't seen before, so that was really cool. I tried to do a good amount of stuff on ringside to bring attention to it. So truly, I mean, in person, in my lifetime, like covering combat sports, which is only like, what, a decade now? But... In person, I have never seen anyone on the mitts like him. And so much no. of that is the mitt guy, right? Like, people look at him and be like, wow, that boxer is so fast. Or look at his hand. It, a lot is dependent on what the hell the guy with the mitts can do. And Roger still had it. Like, he still had the hand speed and quickness at his age that it looked like he would have had while boxing. And that's what made him so special. He was such a special boxer. That when he transitioned, like the hand speed, everything continued. So a lot of Floyd's quickness, defensive skills, you look at Roger sticking out the hand. So Floyd, you know, to the shoulder, working the shoulder roll. A lot of that is having to dodge his uncle. Like, yo, if I could dodge this guy and practice against him on the mitts, oh, this shit is cake in the fight. Yeah. Because he was still that quick. I, I've never seen anyone on the mitts like him. No, completely amazing. Uh, one interaction that I had with Roger, I think... Well, one of my first interactions, actually, was the, it was either the, no, it wasn't the Hatton fight. Um, it might have been the Marquez fight. And 
I was in, you know, obviously I was in Vegas. I was actually working at BET at the time, so I flew home for the fight. It was a Marquez fight. And um, we were talking, so, we, you know, they have the trainer round tables, and we had the trainer round table, and uh, it was Nacho on one table and Roger on the other. And what ended up happening is we stopped talking about Floyd's strategy, and me and Roger just started having this conversation about Muhammad Ali. And... There was a point where Roger almost said that, you know, he was like, Ali, he's like, you guys talk about Ali so great. There's a lot of things that Ali didn't do. And like the writer's like, what? And there's like six of them. And I started, me and Roger started talking because because he, he was like, boy, what you know about Ali? Because obviously I'm like the <laughs> younger dude. So I was like, I'll tell you what Ali didn't do. And he's like, well, what? And I was like, Muhammad Ali never went to the body. And Roger sat there with it. He's like, see, I tell y'all you don't know shit about boxing, but he knows shit about boxing. Because it was one thing, like, if you if you studied Ali, Ali never went to the body. If you watch all of his fights, he never went to the body. And that was, people looked at it as a cardinal sin, but Roger was like, he was so good, he never had to, and nobody ever noticed. And it was just like, it was just one of those conversations we had, then we had, like, a sidebar. But it was, like, my first memory about Roger, because I was, like, talking, because he was, he was basically just crushing boxing writers for not knowing the sport. And it was that interaction between me and him where it was just like, we were cool after that. That was my first interaction with Roger, and from that point, it was cool. And for, like, a year, he was always referring to me as the guy that knew Ali didn't, didn't go to the body. He was like, you should listen to him. He knows Ali didn't go to the body. You got, He's like, you write what you know, but you don't know shit about boxing because you would know that Ali didn't go to the body. And it's, it was crazy, but that was my little uh, Roger Mayweather story. And it, you know, he knew the sport. He was not a trainer who didn't know the sport. He knew what he was talking about. Yeah, I thought of you and your Ali never went to the body comment today because I had to post it on this day of Ali knocking out uh, Foley. It was wow. right before he got stripped. That was on yeah. the day. So he got stripped next month, like in three weeks after. But Foley hit him with a body shot. It's the first time I watched the entire, uh, the entire fight because, you know, you see highlights and all this stuff. So now they have access to the entire Ali archives. Anytime I post one of these things, I'm like, yo, fuck it. I'm on the clock, so they're paying me for it. I might as well watch the fight. So I watched the fight. Ali ate a body shot in like the fourth or fifth round. I thought it was over. Oh, and it man. was clean to the body. And then afterwards, like in the post-fight interview, he was like, uh, I forgot who was interviewing him, but like, were you hurt? He was like, yeah, he stung me to the body, but I was never hurt. I was like, shit, stop lying. That body shot was crazy because Ali fought so up and down. I don't know why people really didn't hit him in the body. I guess you couldn't catch him. That's one thing Ali talked about in that fight, too. He was like, I fought this fight more flat-footed than any fight I've ever fought before. And it showed he ate that body shot, and I just thought he couldn't move after that. I was like, yo, anyone else goes down off of this shit. So he could take a hit to the body. He didn't throw any hits to the body, but whew, he ate yeah, a I mean, mean one. Well, when people talk about, I mean, I guess we're rolling kind of sports time, but when people talk about, like, Muhammad Ali... It's, it, there's been this weird pattern of things that I've been seeing happening on social media lately. And it's been discrediting how good fighters are because you forget what made them great because it wasn't just always offensive. Like, when you talk about Ali, people forget that Ali had probably one of the greatest chins in boxing history. Like, just he, the man could take punishment. And, like, nobody's business. Like, him getting up from the Frazier knockout, I talk about that all the time. It's like... Frazier was destroying people with that left hook. And Ali just got up. But you look at, like, Ken Norton broke his jaw in, like, the second round. Um, you, like, the Zola, uh, Zola Frosta fight, that body shot. Like, Ali took punishment. Like, guys like Julio Cesar Chavez. People forget that Chavez, if you ever watch Chavez fight, 
what made him great is he wasn't a guy who was exceptionally fast or he was skilled, but he wasn't athletic. His ability to take two or three punches and give you back one that was way harder than those two or three that you threw was what made Julio Cesar Chavez special. And those yeah. things are always forgotten with the, a lot of these fighters. Um, who else? Like we talked like Evander Holyfield. Evander Holyfield was a fucking cruiserweight and went up to heavyweight. And was like, yeah, his body transformed when he fought Tyson uh, the first time. Everybody looked at Holyfield like, holy shit. He got into shape. <laughs> but Holyfield had a hell of a chin. You know, uh, the chins are so underrated in the heavyweight division. Like, that, I think that's what makes Tyson Fury. I, Tyson Fury. That's They're so un- tough, though. Like, I saw a Holyfield fight yesterday, again, because I had to post it on this day. I, the, by far, the best part of my job is getting paid to watch fights. But uh, Holyfield got dropped clean by Bo. Clean. That, that was on this day yesterday when he lost to Bo. On this day, or maybe it was part of like something I was posting. Just it wasn't even on this day. It was a random post. But he dropped Bo in the fourth or the fifth of their first fight. Or and then next thing you know, Bo knocks his ass out. Yeah, I mean, Riddick Bo is probably one of the most underrated heavyweights of all time. Yo, you see that conversation going around on Twitter about underrated heavyweights? No, nah, who do they It have? was um the number one underrated heavyweight. I think I saw you comment. Uh it was between Max and Dan started off. Was was uh David Tua? Hmm. I never thought David Tua was underrated. I thought he never won a heavyweight championship and people kind of shit on him for it. Yeah. Was the argument. Well, yeah, because see, it's the Jordan rule, right? Like, Michael Jordan denied guys like Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing. Unless your name was Akeem Olajuwon, you weren't getting a ring when Jordan was playing. When, when Jordan yeah. was really in his heyday. Because prior to that, when Jordan was losing, it was to the Bad Boy Pistons or the Showtime Lakers. Like, everybody in that in the 90s was ruined because of Michael Jordan. Klitschko ruined a lot of heavyweights. There were guys that were like Samuel Peter and Chris Bird, who was a champion for a hot second, and David Tua. The problem with David Tua was he had this um, incredible power, but he was tiny. He was a little guy. So when you put him up against guys like a, like a, a Lennox Lewis or a Vladimir Klitschko or a Vitaly Klitschko, there was nothing he could do. He was just too small. So I never thought he was underrated. A guy that I always wanted to see really blossom before he fucking went to jail was I could be a Buche. A lot of people don't oh, remember. See. That's what Max picked as his most underrated heavyweight yes. boxer. If any. I- if anybody's got a chance to see Ike Abuche fight before he went to jail, that man was a murderer. It was scary. His, uh, there's a, he fought Chris Bird, and he hit Chris Bird so hard, I, I just swore the Tweety Birds was flying over his head. Like Chris Bird <laughs> liked to have died when Abuche was smoking people. He was fast. He was stocky. He was strong. He could take a punch. Then he went to prison, and we really never got to see him, how good he really was. But back to what I was saying is like, you look at heavyweights, yeah, like Riddick Bowe and Evander Holyfield, but what makes a like what makes a lot of great fighters is their chin. It's not their offensive. Meldrick Taylor fought Julio Cesar Chavez. Meldrick Taylor was beating the shit out of Chavez for nine rounds, but Chavez would take three, give back one. Take three, give back one. And then in like the ninth round, the whole fight changed. Taylor was he was too much Philly in him, so he tried to stay in the pocket and keep dishing out punishment, but he couldn't hurt Chavez. So Chavez, if you look, if you ever watch that fight, it's one of those fights that if you're self-quarantined, go watch that fight immediately. Chavez, he's not even lumped up. When they go into the 12th round, you, because you, 
if you're scoring the fight, Taylor is probably winning 7-2, to maybe, going into the 10th round. But then you look at their faces, you're like, how? It's impossible, because Belgic Taylor looks like he's been hit by a bus. But he was, getting, he was winning the fight, and then he got knocked out in the 12th round with two seconds left. In a fight, and it changed his entire career, that one fight. But guys who can take punishment, like, you could be as offensive as you want. Like, defense wins championships. Like, if Tyson Fury didn't have the chin that Tyson Fury has, he wouldn't have beat Deontay Wilder. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't no, have been. He no wouldn't have had the balls to go in with the strategy he did in the rematch, to just walk him down. He wouldn't have got up in the first fight. Yeah, he trusted his chin enough. After knowing what he knew from the first fight, saying, "Yo, I took his best shot and I got up." Like, so what? Now just do it again. Like, Except you, this time, he was like, "I'm gonna bring it to him." Like defense is just so important, and so circling, bringing all this back around to Roger and Floyd. <laughs> Like, Roger taught Floyd, like, Roger and Floyd Sr. taught Floyd what he needed to know. Like, the shoulder roll was something that Floyd inherited. He wasn't something that he learned. Like, I watch guys like Andre Berto and Adrian Broner try to deploy the shoulder roll. If you haven't been doing it since you were four years old, you ain't doing it right. And that's yeah. like, that was what Floyd had at a very young age. And when Floyd's, like, people always thought, well, Floyd's hands went brittle, and that's why he went to the shoulder roll. No, it's it wasn't, he didn't go to it. He always had it. But then he recognized, like, there's really no point in me getting hit. I just need to win fights. And, yes, his hands were terrible. Like, those those few years, he couldn't hit anything. Like, I remember going to the gym and seeing him getting his hands wrapped. Like, he, Rafael Garcia was, was saving his hands because they were a mess. But it was all defense. All defense. Like, you look at Hagler versus Hearns. That fight was all offensive. We loved it to death. But there was <laughs> yep. just no way that Tommy Hearns could keep that shit up because he just didn't really have any defense. His defense was his offense. So... Roger Mayweather, great defensive fighter, like he gave everything to his nephew that he didn't have because his nephew just automatically had athletic ability. But then he gave him that he helped him build that ring IQ. Did you see the videos uh, floating around of Floyd Mayweather fighting uh, Marcos Maidana? I think the second fight when Floyd does a, uh, if anybody knows, like Floyd does a he does a pull uh, straight right when somebody like lunges at him with a left, he'll pull back and fire the straight right. And he'll duck out of the way. It's like a, a vintage Floyd move. Floyd's fighting Maidana. And Maidana's lunging with a left hook. Floyd pulls back and gets ready to throw the right. But he, in a split second, he recognizes that Maidana's coming back with a left over the top. And Floyd pulls back on, on his own punch. And Maidana misses clean. Fighters can't do that shit. Like, he's, <laughs> a, he's in mid... Because, like, a lot of fighters go into a mode, like one, two, three, and a one, two, and a hook uppercut, or, you know, left hook, left to the body. And they stay in that mode and they can't disrupt it. It's like a, uh, it's like a combo. Like it's a muscle movie. memory. Yeah. yeah. It's muscle memory. You can't stop in the middle of it. But Floyd can. And if you find this clip, it's Floyd in the middle of doing what he does back, the pull straight right, where he pulls, realizes that Maidana's getting ready to throw, because he's getting ready to court that right hand, but he's like, oh shit, if I let this hand go, I'm going to get hit with Maidana's uh, other hook that's coming. And he pulls the second one back and ducks his head out of the way. It's it's unbelievable shit. Like, people he was fighting in the Matrix. He was, all the time. Yeah, he, All the time. And with, with Roger there, the, like, the pad work, it wasn't all for show. It was reflex shit. It was muscle memory yep. shit. Just, just unbelievable. Guy. He saw every combination... Arguably, you can see in boxing over and over and over and over. And again, that comes from having people like his father, his uncle, his 
man, I was going through Roger's stuff and and seeing Roger versus Chavez and you like Roger fought some of the best himself. Oh yeah, Leonard. So Floyd like Roger's like, yo, this is what I saw, this is what you know made me have trouble and he's showing Floyd this from the age of four. Roger saw this at the age of what, thirty and had to prepare. Floyd saw all these traps, all these counters, all this stuff from like the age of four. You can't compete with that. No, man. It's, it's pretty impossible. Is that 10,000 hour rule, right? Like 10,000 hours to be a master at your craft. Floyd had 100,000 hours and before it was even time to go pro. Yeah, it, It's kind of like, like, I liken Floyd to somebody like a Biggie or a Jay-Z in this sense. Is that Biggie and Jay-Z, there was a time where like, you know what? I'm not going to write my rhymes anymore. I just memorize them, and I spit them. And I go into the booths, and I spit them. And then everybody goes, you know what? I'm not going to write my rhymes anymore. (laughs) And then I listen, and I go, you know what? You should probably write your fucking rhymes. And with Floyd, Floyd says, I don't watch tape. And I don't necessarily believe him 100%, but I know he doesn't watch a ton of tape. Because what he does is he doesn't necessarily game plan when he goes into a fight. He goes off of... Like with with Jay Z and Biggie, when they listen to an instrumental, they go off with the instrumental is giving them, and they give it back. And Floyd goes yep. off of the energy that his opponent is giving in the ring, and he adjusts accordingly. And there's no game plan for that. And other fighters like try to do the shoulder roll, or other fighters are like, I don't watch tape. You should watch tape. You're not Floyd Mayweather. There's a yep. there's something special about him because at a certain point in Floyd's career, his like you know Roger wasn't in his corner necessarily giving him tips. He was just there being motivation because Floyd was training himself at a certain point. Like he would recognize what was going on in the ring, download that data and then use it. That's why he won all his fights. But all these guys like, I don't watch tape or I don't write my raps. Go write your raps. Go watch a fight because you're not as good as Floyd. You never will be. And talking about that before we move on to the next little tidbit in boxing. I went back and watched Pernell Whitaker, who I thought was arguably the best defensive boxer I've ever seen. I've been watching more of his fights because the job allows me to. I'm starting to think Floyd might be a better defensive boxer, which then becomes, is Floyd the best defensive boxer I've ever seen? Because even the thing with Sweepy is, is he went up in competition or maybe, I don't want to say people caught up to him. I, I don't know. He was what one two or three pound for pound for like five years though but towards like the later ends and when he lost allegedly to cesar chavez um but even like that de la hoya fight like you look at these there were moments where he were get he was getting caught they could trap him they could make him fight their fight and then he'd shake it off and go back to doing his thing i never saw that from floyd no one ever imposed their will on floyd Here's the hard part about Floyd, and this is what ends up getting taken away from what a lot of what Floyd did in his career. So, Pernell Whitaker didn't lose a fight until uh, he well he lost to Jose Luis Ramirez, which was like a highly disputed split decision. I remember watching that fight and going, "Well, how the fuck did he lose?" The draw against Chavez was one that a lot of people thought he won, but prior to yes. that, like Pernell fought everybody. Floyd is kind of almost a victim of his own business making, like business decisions, because, you know, people will say he ducked certain fighters, may not have been the the money thing. So it's like we didn't get to see him fight Margarito 
when Margarita was scary. And this is like before, way before Cotto. This is when Floyd left yeah. top rank. Or well, we didn't get to see him, and depending on who you ask, it's, it's Shane's fault. We didn't see him fight Shane Mosley, which Shane Mosley was peaked. It was promotional shit, whatever. So we didn't get to see Floyd against a lot of those guys to really gauge it, whereas we saw Pernell Whitaker against a Julio Cesar Chavez. We saw Pernell Whitaker against a De La Hoya who was on the upswing. Yeah. And Whitaker was on the downside. But Floyd beat a Canelo on the upswing. It, to me, that was the same position. Well, no, no, so it's different. That's Pernell different. fighting De La Hoya That's is different. the same exact time no, as no, 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 Canelo no, no, coming no. up to Floyd. No, 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 no. no. De, La Hoya was, De La Hoya was champion. Like, De La Hoya was running the circuit on people. Like, it wasn't like... Like Canelo's young youth. Canelo was two fights away from dominating no, boxing. No, 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 no. Oscar De La Hoya was an Olympic gold medalist with a highly decorated amateur career and came into the sport. So he was, there was like full, like a Mexican amateur, like um, in Mexico, the reason why their records are like 73 and 0 is because they really truly fight cab drivers for like the first 20 fights. So yeah. <laughs> De La Hoya was seasoned when he fought Whitaker. Canelo not, wasn't necessarily like. I think maybe two to three fights, maybe three or four fights prior to fighting um, Mayweather. Canelo was fighting like five five times a year. And he got buzzed yeah. big time by uh, um, Cotto. He beat Mosley before then. Yeah, but Mosley was kind of, you know. I'm just uh, saying. Like, he, he had fought Mosley. But had... De La Hoya was at his peak. Like, Canelo hadn't okay. reached that yet. No, Clearly. I don't know when Canelo's peak is. Canelo's How about that? Was, I still don't know. Is he even? Is he just in his peak? I mean, he's just now hitting his prime, physical <laughs> so, prime. But I, I think he. I, I don't even know I, when his peak is. Then, in my opinion, Canelo's peak really took place after the Lara fight. Like the the Mayweather fight was a boxing lesson, and he learned things. How about, do you say that? I thought he lost to Triple G. Uh, that can't be his peak because I think he watches Triple G now. Well, because Triple G is older. That's why. You wouldn't say that Triple G was four years younger. I think today Canelo against Prime Triple G probably still scores the knockout. Because today's Canelo's defensively is defensively now he's better than he was after that Laura fight. His head movement, his feet are still almost as slow. His head movement's incredible now. But he hasn't like again. I mean, you you've said this as it's well. Tough. You thought he lost both fights to Triple G, right? I I thought it was a loss and a draw. Correct. Okay. So you didn't think he won either of them. So if it no. was prime, if it was prime Triple G against this Canelo, because I don't he think, has a better shot now. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think Canelo's changed that much. I think the Laura fight okay. taught him uh, smart aggression, because a lot of people thought he lost the the Laura fight. I think he's learned a lot of things. Like guys like Kovalev are teaching him nothing. He's just too good for them. Uh, Daniel Jacobs was a tough fight. Much tougher yep. than the Kovalev fight. The Kovalev fight was Canelo basically saying, you know what, I'm going to get you, and I'm going to give rounds away. Because if anybody remembers, a lot of people had Canelo losing that fight before he was getting knocked out. And not because Kovalev was a better fighter, it's because Canelo was headhunting the entire fight. So there was nothing to learn there. Like, Canelo knew what he came to do. Against somebody like Lara, that was a difficult fight. He was fighting somebody who was elusive, that moved around a lot. It was like a bigger... Not necessarily as good and definitely not as offensive-minded Floyd Mayweather. And I feel like that was really the turning point for Canelo because then, like, he fought like Miguel Cotto, but he was just too goddamn big for Miguel Cotto. Just huge. Yeah. He was a giant. But I think at that point he had started to peak physically in terms of 
skill set, understanding boxing, and his ring IQ. Between like the Lara and Mayweather fights did that for him. He was who he was against Triple G, and it was a tough ass fight. But now on the on the, Triple G is clearly on the downside of his career. He's thirty seven. So yeah, of course you're gonna think he's gonna watch him now. But what if what if Triple G beats him? And people say this sounds ridiculous, but dude, going into Triple G the, has to knock him out to beat him. Going into probably going into the fourth <laughs> fight with Manny Pacquiao, Juan Manuel Marquez was not the favorite to win that fight. God no. No people didn't think he had a chance. I remember the, people wondering why there was a fourth fight. And I think we already had this podcast. But I remember you and a lot of other people saying, like, yo, he arguably won those first two fights. That's why three. we have a fourth fight. Three, like three. He won. No, I, I thought he lost three. The, the, the third fight, he Marquez clearly won. First the one third, was a draw. The first one was a draw. If we're, if we're keeping it funky, he, he might have won the first, second one. I think I'd give the third to Pacquiao. Or was Pacquiao no, the, the second third. and Marquez the third? The third was the third. I was there. The third fight is when everybody booed that decision. They thought Marquez <laughs> won that fight. Okay. The third fight so was I have the fight. Backwards. Right. The third fight was the fight when Manny was really dealing with family issues and he just wasn't himself going to that fight. And Marquez was countering the shit out of him, but Manny ended up winning the decision. Mm. But going to that fourth fight, a lot of people were like, "Oh, uh, yeah, the only way to Mar." I mean, you know, granted, to this day, a lot of us look at Marquez like, "Man, he was on some shit" because he was huge oh. going to that fight. But, He's super shredder going into that fight. Yeah. But the thing about Triple G is, I know this just by talking to his camp. Triple G just hasn't been motivated. I don't know. Like, 37, yes, he's he is old. Yes, I do think Canelo's a favorite going into the rematch. But I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility because people looked at the Derevchenko fight and was like, Triple G's watch. One, Derevchenko's really good and people don't give him credit for that. Two, I know Triple G wasn't motivated for that fight. He ain't motivated for shit unless Canelo. That's the only fight he wants. He's just going through the motions. Right. So perfect transition. There's rumors of this trilogy pretty much being locked up already. You know, coronavirus aside, that Canelo to sign on for his contract against uh, who is he fighting next? Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah, I think. that's that's what um, was supposed to be announced, but coronavirus. Yeah, uh, all up. yeah. So don't know when it's going to happen. But, you know, the ink was almost dry on him fighting Billy Joe Saunders. Cool. But the rumors are that to get that fight signed, sealed, and delivered from you guys over at The Zone, the agreement was you would then turn around and fight Triple G. So we ain't giving you this if you ain't giving us that. And to me, I feel like it's weird, right? Because does this signal... You know, rumors aside, let's just assume that, okay, cool, he's going to fight Triple G again. Does this signal that he's getting Triple G at 168? Because then he's really winning. Probably. I mean, without... 160 about, after this makes no sense. Yeah, not, just, we'll just keep it speculation. Yeah, like yes. he's not going to 160. Like, unless there is something that nobody knows about. Like, once he fought at 75, I said it after he fought Kovalev without any inside information. And I, I say this because, listen, even though I work at his own, Canelo's camp is one of the most guarded things I've ever seen in my life. It's like Fort Knox. You can't get shit out of them. And but I, but I Oscar nobody, barely knows what's going on. Oscar doesn't know what's going on. It's not even barely. He has no idea. But uh, Canelo, once he hit 175, this just for him to go back to 60 is just ridiculous. Because for what? That was the biggest thing. For what? 
to fight Triple G. In his mind, he already beat him twice. One in the draw, he yeah. thinks he won both of them. So he's not it's, interested. Let's be real. It's easier to clear out 68 than it is 60, right? I, see, I don't even think it's that. Who's that like, 68? Canelo, Canelo likes the challenge. Because Can, Canelo at 68 is, is Caleb Plant, David Benavidez, Callum Smith, and I'm missing somebody. Who am I missing? Billy Joe Saunders. Oh, yeah, Saunders. Like, that Those are the is, four champions. Benavidez and... The good thing, Benavidez and Caleb Plant are going to cancel each other out sooner or later. Because they're going to have a unification before Triple G ever has a chance. Because you don't really want to fight both of them. Those are two tough-ass fights. You're high on Benavidez. I'm really high on Benavidez. And people forget Benavidez. I really like Caleb Plant. Yeah, I'm high on Last fight excluded. Like, he sleepwalked through a little bit of his last fight and then turned it off. Yeah, I mean, Benavidez is 22, 23. Like, people forget how young David Benavidez is. But what I'm saying is, Canelo at 68, there are, there are more challenges at 68 for him than at 60 right now. The only real challenge for him at 60 is Triple G, and he's not interested in that. So, once he went to 75, it was clear, like, he's going to go to 68 and try to definitively win a title there because the WBA regular title you beat Rocky Fielding for... It's an alphabet title, really. It doesn't mean shit. WBA and their yeah. strange ass distinction. So he wants a real W he wants a real title at sixty eight. And that's what the Saunders fight is. If he gets that or whatever it is, the triple G fight, there's just no way it happens at sixty. He's not interested. I think maybe a catch weight. If there's no belt involved, if, if Canelo doesn't fight Saunders, maybe he fights him at a catch weight. I doubt it though. Canelo has so much leverage heading into this fight and knowing that it's the only thing that Triple G wants. He's just gonna. It might be a gonna make know. him go right. He'll he'll he, do anything. He'll that's make, my first thing. It's like he makes him jump to sixty eight, and that's the difference of the first two fights of him actually getting him out of here. Yeah. So this is all Canelo's doing, and uh, I can't see this going any way where Triple G has any kind of leverage for this fight. So if this no. fight is going to happen, um. Uh, once this coronavirus thing subsides, we have no idea when that is. Uh, if Canelo has a fight before, like Triple G is supposed to have a, a mandatory. I don't know if that's going to happen yep. anymore. I feel like that will uh, continue. As long as it doesn't go past July, I feel like we're in line for maybe those two. That's another thing. It's going to be moved off of single de Mayo. It's going to be moved off of Mexican independence. More so, than likely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, already it's a wrap. Single de Mayo is not happening, so you got to push everything back. So maybe you get July, November. There's Maybe. a shit ton of stuff lined up for that time. That a I ton. Mean, we're about to have an ultimate scramble. Like once once boxing is back in business, like people's like, oh yeah, we're just gonna have fights. Yeah, but you got to book venues, you got to have dates, you have to work with the networks all over again. Like what we're dealing with in combat sports is unprecedented because it's not like we're missing one or two fights. We're missing a whole spring and part of summer of guys who were supposed to fight. Now we're gonna head. In, I mean, dude, you're supposed to have Wilder Fury three. Like, when is that going to happen? There's so many things, and you have to book venues, and obviously everybody wants to fight in Vegas, but between the Garden, the Forum, well, not the Forum, the Garden, Staples, and uh, MGM T-Mobile or Mandalay Bay as being the main locations for, like, the big, big fights, how the hell are you going to book all these fights? Because then you still got basketball, football, all this other shit going on. It's going to be hard. But I think if they do Canelo Triple G, I think... They try to do it in September because they know what it is. But I think they also look at it as like if Canelo Triple G fight is going to be a big fight. No, they can they can fight on Monday afternoon and people will watch that fight. So I'm sure they'll figure it out. <laughs> it's cold, 
cold-blooded <laughs> on Monday afternoon. No one watch it. Um, yeah, man. So we'll we'll see. That's pretty much boxing, MMA. A couple of things to touch on, and the biggest thing though, you know, to kind of bring the show to a close is Dana White is still trying to get this Ferguson Habib matchup to go through. According to him, it's going down by hook or by crook in April to the point where this past week he called out MMA media and said, quote unquote, and I mean, I don't know if you feel you're personally involved in this, but he's I am now removed from that space. He said MMA media are wimps. Quote by Dana White, MMA media are wimps. I don't feel like a wimp. Like I, I know some other people that probably aren't wimps. So it's like, all right, Dana, cool beans. He, he's pulling the same old Dana White card. And right now, I'm not exactly sure why. That's that's the key of it. It's just like, Dana, why attack the media? It seems very Trump-ish at this moment. It's an unnecessary call-out. If you want to do your fights, do your fights. If you're going to pull back out, pull back out. The reason this isn't happening isn't because of the media. So why take an unnecessary swipe when you don't have to? I, I don't understand this. Um, coronavirus is a real thing. And for MMA media members to ask Dana White, are you concerned without the, about this? doesn't make MMA media wimpy. It makes people concerned. And if concern equates to being wimpy, yeah, you're just like your boy Trump. Like... Everybody saw the clip the other day of Trump being asked, like, America's scared. What do you have to say with him? Say about him. Well, I say you're a nasty reporter. What? No, man. You had the opportunity <laughs> to hit a home run and say, I care about people, and he wouldn't do that. Whereas Dana White, listen, coronavirus is serious. It's the, I mean, we wouldn't be self-quarantined if it wasn't for that. And if, for some people, you know, people are talking about they're scared of, like, martial law, right? Not Marshall Mathers yeah. law because people are spelling it wrong. Um <laughs> But people are scared about martial law. But you might have to reinstate. You have to, might have to instate martial law because you have idiots in the Florida beach or idiots in California, like just grouping together, right? This there, it's a pandemic. It's real. And for Dana White to call MMA media, MMA media wimps, it's ridiculous. Because I guarantee you there's a few guys in MMA media that probably would give Dana the hands. So relax. You know, it's not everybody as a reporter doesn't know how to fight. Maybe they don't know how the MMA fight. Maybe they don't know the, the ins and outs of mixed martial arts, even though some do. Some do get on the mats regularly. But come on, man. Wimps because people care about other people's well-being? That's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Again, it's not like the fans or the media are what's stopping this from happening. It's the coronavirus. Like, it's out of everyone's control. There's no need to blame anyone. But he, he feels like he has to. And maybe it's just to stay in the news cycle, right? Maybe it's just to have something to nah, say. No, nah, I think this is how Dana really believe. I really think he believes that MMA media are wimps. Like, he doesn't like Ariel Helwani. That's obvious. And I know he lost a lot of respect, quote-unquote, for Ariel because he cried that, that day on uh, the Errol Hawani show after he got banned for the leaking the Brock Lesnar news before it happened. Because he, he got mad because he cried. I think Dana tries to be that alpha male. Like, 
the locker room talk or grabbed by the pussy. I think that's why Dana and Trump are so, they're like really good friends. That that's how they think. It's like they, the Kanye line. This why me and Dame cool. We assholes. Yeah, but I'm saying yeah, like yeah, I, I they, think they have that in common. I I'll, I'll say it like this. I would if there was a Me Too movement for Dana White that said Dana White was harassing women. I wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't be the one of those things where I would be like shocked. At all. Yeah, now he's he's definitely of a bro mentality. I mean, let's be real. The sport is a bro sport, right? Well, I mean, it he's was. just that old school MMA mentality. It has gone bigger. It has become, I don't want to say mainstream, but it's become a corporate sport. It's become bigger than they've ever imagined it to be. But his mindset is still that original MMA mindset. Well, like, he didn't want women in MMA. Yeah. Like, let's let's like let's be clear about this. This wasn't Dana's idea ever. His hand was forced by Ronda Rousey. He never wanted women in MMA. Now you look at him now, and he says it all the time. I didn't want women in MMA. Yeah, because you're you know you're a macho pig, dude. You're a bro. Like yep. you're sexist. It's true. Yes. He hasn't walked back on that at all. No, but th- that's my point. So he calls MMA media. It's not because he wants to be in the news cycle. This is how he really thinks. Like his boy Trump. They're the same guy. And Vince McMahon, too. Like, it took, <laughs> yeah, you want to throw, throw I, them all in dude, there. Dude, I got to throw Vince in there. Like, Vince was going Google and Gaga over uh, uh, kitty kittens and hooters and all this other stuff. Yep. He His hand was forced on women's wrestling. Like, he was not interested. Triple H had NXT no. women, you know, doing their thing. And then the guy called to the main roster. And then it was like, give divas a chance. They were divas. They were divas. They weren't wrestlers. (laughs) Vince, Donald Trump, and Dana White are the same guy. Just they cut them into thirds and they duplicated them. One was ended up being bald. One ended up having this crazy hair, and one ended up being orange. They're the same guy. Yeah. To be fair, two are bald. One bought hair. But yeah, sure, that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. But yeah, no, they are like the same similar style of thinking. So I, it shouldn't surprise us. We'll see. I mean, three. Dana has three weeks, three and a half weeks, to try to pull something off, to have Habib and uh, and Tony in the same ring, same octagon. I I don't think it happens. I think he has to cancel it again, and I think the fight is forever doomed. I mean, like, for the first time, they're both healthy. They did everything right. I think it's doomed. It's how do you even put on the undercard? Do you just have this one fight? I don't know. I don't know what you do, but I think, like, even though Khabib says he's on board, and I know why Khabib's on board, because Ramadan's coming up, and he can't fight after that. But yep. the whole issue here is, like, just rebook this shit, because we don't know how long this is going to last. Stop trying. Like, why are you trying? But it would be the fifth time this fight is rebooked, so that's, yeah. I'm assuming that's why he's pushing so hard. But you, and come on, man. Like, there's nothing dude, you can, but What can you do? But then he sees he sees his buddy old pal Vince McMahon still putting on shows. AEW, pro wrestling, still putting on shows. And he looks and he says, why can't we? Because you're... And like, how dare he take second fiddle? Those guys, listen, man, you're, they're not mandated by a state athletic commission. You are. Like... Yeah. The PC is WWE's. They can do shit at their center because it's pro wrestling. Even though it's ill-advised and I advise against it, I don't think it's the smartest thing in the world to do. Same with AEW. But they can do stuff on their sets. You have actual fights where you need judges, you need commissions, you need cutmen, you need camps. Wrestlers don't have training camp. 
They do rehearsals. Yep. But they don't they don't have they don't have eight weeks camp where they have to make weight. They don't have to do any of that. These guys do in the UFC, so why are you really pushing this hard? Yeah, you're right. There is no undercard. Because these guys can't actively train. And then when they lose, they'll have to make an excuse. Why well, didn't get a chance to train properly? Why do you even want to do that? Just wait. Book the shit later. Yeah. Like, honestly, in the end, most... Listen, my my company, I can say, is taking a bigger... Not, maybe not a bigger hit, but taking the hit as much as the UFC. And that is ESPN. Because the check's clear. Right? Like, the UFC is not without zero income. This is why they signed that deal. The check's clear. So if you got to take two months off, you're not paying talent, maybe you just break even if you're Dana White. He wants to do more than that. It's For some people, enough is never enough. No. And to be, to have the opportunity to be like the number one trending topic, no matter what the cost. Because this is oh, where you yeah. start to re- recognize where fighters are not really fighters. They're pawns. And like with the WWE, like... Vince is willing to put everybody there at risk for WrestleMania. Like, everybody. Because, whether let's just be honest. Somebody in that locker room has it. They, they have to. Somebody has yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, just this, the numbers say it, right? Like, yes, they have to. They're not being tested properly. So, with Dana White, like the number one thing he was excited about was that UFC Brasilia was the number one trending topic. Yeah, because there was nothing else going on. But what does that really mean? What does that really mean? Is it is it worth it? Is it worth putting those guys at, and girls at risk to be the number one trending topic? Because you're fighting in an empty arena. You're not fighting on pay-per-view. There is no real financial benefit. This is like braggadocio. Like the same with WrestleMania. You're not selling tickets to this shit. You're doing this to be the number one trending topic. That's it. What's yeah, it worth? pretty much. I mean, it's pride just to say you did it. You own the sports world for a certain period of time, I guess. It doesn't make sense, uh, man. I don't, it's, I don't it's, know. It's wholly unnecessary. Like, if you paid the fighters to not fight. Because, like, listen, we got an interview coming up with Scott Coker that we did. And Scott explained why he paid the fighters. He's not willing to put those guys at risk. He just doesn't see the... It's Obviously, Bellator is a smaller promotion and doesn't get the eyeballs. But what's the point? Send them home. Let everybody get better. Like, the worst thing you want to be, and Dana says, he's like, you know, we, you know, our safety precautions are fantastic and nobody's ever died. Okay, but you don't want to have the first to be on your watch, right? You don't want the first UFC fighter to die of coronavirus. <laughs> no, God, no. Like, don't be an idiot just to prove a point. They're stubborn. That's what they do. Yeah. All bad. All bad. Um, nah, that's our show for today. It's been a hell of a show. We're going to come back later in the week with more episodes. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. Please stay safe. Uh, social distancing is best. It's, again, like we said last show, it's not permanent. Make sure we settle in, relax, make sure keep everyone safe for this small time being. Keep yourself active inside if you can. Make sure your mind is straight. Uh, make sure you guys are, are killing the time productively. Go out there and do what you've always wanted to do. Make sure this time is a productive time. And listen to us. So uh, follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hale. Shout out to all the sponsors. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network. We'll be back later in the week. For now, though, we're out. Peace. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.